You are listening to the official Acts 2 podcast. For more information and resources, please visit our website at www.acts2orlando.com. Awesome. Awesome. We all doing good this morning? That's my favorite question to start with. Oh, man, I'm doing good. Doing good. So I want to talk to us this morning. Danielle kind of gave you the preview about hope. And just seeing everything that's going on around us, we're in this political season that's quite annoying, if you ask me. Um, Sorry, I'm not huge into campaigns and political stuff. That's just me, especially when I'm trying to watch a football game and I have to watch five political commercials. (laughs) Come on, what's up with that? But I've seen stuff talked about and people latch on to different candidates. They latch on to different legislation. We latch on to all these different things in hope for something better, right? Well, this morning we're going to talk about putting our hope in the right place because there's nobody on this earth that can receive our hope and fulfill it, okay? Our hope can only lie in one spot, and so that's what we're going to talk about. I love to let you know ahead of time. You don't have to guess. And so, um, yeah, I'm a big sports fan and always have been. I played a bunch of um, growing up football one year. Tore my hamstring real bad, said, now I'm done with that, and stuck to baseball, basketball. It was awesome, but last night I was watching my football team, the Georgia Bulldogs, play, and we've had a very bad year, and so I went into the game kind of hopeful that we were going to win and kind of recognizing that we might lose, even though it was Kentucky, and we never lose to Kentucky, and so it all comes down to this last like three seconds, and we've got the ball on the 10-yard line, and we're going to kick a field goal to win the game. But for us this year, that's like, we don't know if we're going to make that or not. I mean, the guy could throw it underhand and throw it through the goal, but I don't know if he's going to be able to kick it. And in that moment, my hope was in that, right? My hope was in the fact that he's going to kick this ball, and it's going to go through, and we're going to win the game. And so two things could have happened in that moment. One, well, after that moment, when he kicked it, one, he could have kicked it through and made it. And two, he could have kicked it through and missed it or kicked it and missed it. And so at that moment, my hope is in two different things, right? Winning or losing. And on this one guy, poor guy. And um, he's like a freshman or a sophomore, so lots of pressure on him. And so what happens is we come out there, they call timeout, we go through all that stuff. If you ever watched a football game at the end, they, they like to try to freeze the kicker. And um, so they do that, and then they come back out, and he kicks the ball. And what does it do? Jeremy? It's good. Go dogs. We win the game. So that time it worked out for me, right? But there's been plenty of times like that. Like a couple weeks ago, we were playing Vanderbilt in the fourth and three and ran a bogus play. And we lost. And so my hope was crushed in that moment. And so that's very light. That's very superficial. But I feel like this is something that we do. We tend to, especially when it comes to politics, when it comes to presidential elections, senators, governors, um, congressmen, commissioners, all that stuff, we tend to really latch on to them. And that's where our hope lies, right? I mean, a couple years ago, wasn't that the whole slogan for one of the parties? Hope. And so we latch on to this stuff. And whether it's us or people around us, we begin to really focus on this hope that is coming from the world. And so our hope can only be grounded in one place, and that's in heaven. So grab your Bibles, First Peter 1. We're going to be flying in fast today, as Andrew likes to say, so buckle up. Here we go. We're going to start in verse 3. So funny. People, you say, I want to hear your Bibles turning. Now it's, I want to see your heads down at your phones. 
Make sure you're clicking on the right chapter. And um, awesome, yeah. So we're gonna just gonna we're gonna be in First Peter. We're gonna be in Ephesians. I'm borrowing that book from Andrew today. So uh, we'll be going back and forth between those. So we're gonna start in verse three right here. Yeah, First Peter chapter one verse three. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who according to his abundant mercy has begotten us again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. God sent his son to save a hopeless people. Let's go to Ephesians 2 right fast, and I just want to make sure I show you that. Ephesians 2, and we're going to start in verse 4. I'm just going to read a lot to you because this is just a fantastic passage. All right, you ready for this? But God, who is rich in mercy, isn't that awesome? So rich in his mercy because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. Right there. We were a hopeless people. We were a hopeless people. He sends his son to save a hopeless people that were dead in trespasses and sins. And now he says, you have hope. And he raised us up together and made us sit together in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Come on. That in the ages to come, he might show the exceeding riches of his grace and his kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith and that not of yourself, but it is the gift of God. Come on, that's good. Let's go to verse 11 real fast. Therefore... Remember that you once were called Gentiles in the flesh who were called uncircumcised by what is called the circumcision made by the flesh and hands. That at that time you were without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel and the strangers from the covenants of promise, which is that covenant of Jesus, that covenant of the resurrection blood of Jesus, having no hope and without God of the world, without God in the world. But now... In Christ Jesus, you who once were far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace, who has made both one and has broken down the middle wall of separation. So he's bringing the Gentiles in and saying, hey, come into this, you hopeless people. We have hope. We have hope for you. Jesus came to bring that hope, and it doesn't really have strings attached, right? I love what it says back in 1 Peter. We're done with Ephesians now, so you can move your finger from there back into 1 Peter, where it says that through his abundant mercy, he has begotten us again to a living hope. And that word, if you really look at it, it means brought back into existence, Now, I think that's, for me, like, I can hear reborn all the time, and I'm like, yeah, that's great. I was reborn, I was reborn, I was reborn. But when I really break it down and I look at it, I was brought back into existence. Therefore, I went out of existence, right? The old is dead, the old is gone. And so now I'm being brought back into existence and into this place that God's setting up for me. And that's such a beautiful picture that we have and such an awesome thing that we can hold on to and let our hope rest in because it's important. It's important that we put our hope in the right place. As believers, we have a living hope because we have a living God to trust in. 
Come on. That's good news right there. There's so many people in this world that try to live in hope, that try to operate in hope, who trust in idols, who trust in gods, who trust in politics, who trust in legislations to provide their hope, but it's all dead. Our hope that we have within us lies in a living God. A living God who defeated the grave. Come on. That's good news. Verse 4 says this. To an inheritance that is incorruptible and undefiled and that does not fade away, reserved in heaven for you. I love that. Our God is a God of abundance, right? We're not, when we step into this relationship with him, we're not simply doing it for a get out of hell free card. If that was your original motivation in the beginning, I'm glad something motivated you. However, you're ripping yourself off from the rest of the things that God has for us. Our God is a God of abundance. He wants to lavish his love on us. He wants to pour it out on us in a way that at the end of the day, we can go, I can't handle this. What do I do with all this love? What do I do with this abundant mercy and grace that you have for me? And so our God is a God of abundance. And I think sometimes when we think of inheritances, you like, you'll see like on TV and stuff or whatever, you'll, or hear about the, the trust fund kids who just sit there and just blow all the money that they have because it never ends and they just hang out, do nothing with life and really just take that back seat to life like, yeah, I got all this made. And so here's the trick with us. Our hope is not a sedative. It's not the thing that we're going to sit back and go, yes, our hope is just there. It's all there. That's good. Yes, we do have that because we have that comfort and peace in Jesus. But that hope is not a sedative, but it's a shot of adrenaline for us. It's something that speaks into our lives and says, this hope that is within me is a blood transfusion. And so I'm carrying the blood of Jesus Christ in me. And now I get to take that hope other places. So this inheritance that I have in heaven, it's stored up, it's safe, it's secure, that's up there for me. Yes, I'm going to live in that. But it's not going to be something to where I sit back in the recliner at the end of the day, eat a sandwich and say, yeah, I've got this awesome inheritance coming. I'm going to just sit around and wait for it. No, it's a shot of adrenaline into us saying, yes, I'm going to go out into the world and tell everybody about it. I'm going to make sure people realize the hope that is within. Because that's what it's all about. This hope that we have the ability to exude is something that is just missed by so many people. And if our hope is in the wrong things, guess what people are going to see? A hope that gets broken. A hope that gets shattered. Every man on this earth, if you put hope in them, they're going to let you down. Every man. Every sports team. All of them. Except Alabama. I don't, I don't know how they do it, but they just win all the time. But eventually, that hope will run out with them, and they'll lose too and crush your dreams. So there's one place where our hope can rest, one place where our hope can sit, where it's secure, and that's with Jesus. Verse 5 says this, Who are kept by the power of God through faith for salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. I'm going to go back. I'm going to read from verse 3 to verse 5 again. I just want to make sure this all makes sense because sometimes you can forget what was said before. So verse 3, Blessed be the God and our Father, our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his abundant mercy has begotten us again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead 
to an inheritance that is incorruptible and undefiled and that does not fade away, reserved in heaven for you, who were kept by the power of God through faith for salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. And I think that part right there is so key and so crucial. All right. Back, I don't remember when, they, they said, hey, guess what? You can no longer pray in school. And for Christians, everybody got pretty fired up, right? It's like, you can't do that. This is our hope. This is where it all lies. We have to protect this. But what this says right here, the inheritance that we have is incorruptible, undefiled, does not fade away, and it's kept by the power of God through faith for salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. Because I'll tell you this, I was in school, I was in a public high school, and I prayed. They didn't stop me. So legislation doesn't determine what we do, right? As believers, that's not where our hope lies. Oh, man, I can't pray here. I'm going to stop. No, our hope is not in that. The, wh- what we base our lives on isn't from that hope that we see externally, but it's the hope that we receive internally. And so that's where we get to operate from, and that's what we get to operate towards. Okay, And so it's such an awesome opportunity that we have to do that and really realizing that God is the guardian of our hope. And when we can really just sit in that, it's kind of like we can like just sit there and rest and know, yes, God is the guardian of my hope. God has this under control. And I know that can sound so cliche when something happens like, well, I know God is in control. That's not, that's not what I'm speaking to right now. It's no, in the big picture of things, no matter what happens on Tuesday, God is in control, right? He was in control Monday. He was in control Sunday, right? Yeah, he's there. He's always, there. now we're not little puppets. He doesn't manipulate everything. Andrew talked about that a couple weeks ago when he said, hey, guess what? God's not in control. Some of you may be sitting there going, Andy, you're saying God is in control. God has our inheritance safe for us. God has our hope safe for us. All right? He's got that under control. Okay? There's not even a combination where somebody can try to lock in, you know, break in. And break in. So <laughs> verse 6 says this. In this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while, if need be, you have been grieved by various trials. And so I think this is important when we're looking at this right here, is that a living God results in a present joy. Placing that hope that we have in a living God results in a present joy. You guys have heard this before, I know. There's a big difference between happiness and joy, right? Happiness is circumstantial, right? Last night, if we had missed that field goal, I would have been unhappy. I would have expected it, but I would have been unhappy, and so that, that happiness is not something that we can base on, but when we put our hope, put our faith, put our trust in that living God, it results in a present joy. And that joy is eternal, right? It's not a, a temporary state. It's an eternal state of joy that we have. I mean, it's one of the fruits of the Spirit, right? So it's a commodity of heaven that we get to operate in and we get to operate out of. And so when we begin to really take everything that's going on in our lives— and we begin to focus it in on the fact that, okay, our hope lies in Jesus. He's got everything stored up for us. Everything in the heavenly places. Our inheritance with him is secure. My, his love, his grace, his mercy for me is secure, right? When we begin to sit in all that, then we begin to experience that joy that's unexplainable to others. And here, we know it. 
when we start, when we see people that are just joyful, we're like, yeah, I know what that comes from. That's good stuff. That didn't come from a football game. No. Joy is not circumstantial. And so I think it's easy for us many times to attach our hope to things, right? We can go through stuff, you know, even people that do love after marriage, they can be very hopeful that it's going to fix their marriage, right? But if you're relying on a class to fix your marriage, and that's what your hope is based in, you're going to miss the point. You're going to miss all that God has for you. And so we have to be able to take a step back and look at things and go, okay, where is my hope? What is it attached to? Maybe it's with jobs. Maybe it's with family. Maybe it's with marriages. Maybe it's with kids. Maybe it's with sports teams. Come on. Any Cubs fans in here? No? Yes. You had 108 years of hopelessness. <laughs> but that was broken, and you won. So you can see, if your hope lies in those things, it can be a long time of hopelessness, right? So we have to be able to take that step back and go, no, this is where my hope lies. My hope lies in Jesus Christ. Verse 7 says this, that the genuineness of your faith, being much more precious than gold, being much more precious than gold that perishes, though it has been tested by the fire, may be found to praise, honor, and glory at the revelation of Jesus Christ. So the whole refining gold process is fun, right? I've never done it myself. I've never gone and grabbed a big old chunk of gold and thrown it in something and refined it. I have picked up a big block of gold. And you see them in the movies, and they just grab like 10 of them at a time and pick them up. You can't do that. Those things are heavy. I was on a, um, a study abroad trip, and I was, I, don't remember, I was either in Prague or in Munich. I don't remember which one we went to the bank in. But they took us into the safe room, and in there they had a piece of gold. Uh, or not a piece, a, um, a block, a block of gold. Is there a better term for that? A bar, thank you. A, a, a bar of gold. Now, it was in about three feet of glass on every side thick, but they did have a, a little pole that came out on two sides with a handle so that everybody could pick it up and feel how heavy it is. And I'm like, that's a little bar of gold. You know, it's just like, imagine like three Hershey bars stacked up, and that's all it is. And so I walk up to it, and I go, what the heck just happened? <laughs> and I'm like, good grief. And I pick that thing up. I'm like, this is heavy. But back to what I was talking about, the process of refining gold they throw everything into this really hot stuff, right? And they really smolter it and melt it down. And what they're doing during this time is th they're refining the gold by removing all the impurities. And so when we have that hope that's placed in the proper place, there may be times when we go through stuff that's not fun, but it doesn't remove our hope. Why? Because we can look back and say, no, we're just being refined right now. The impurities that are in us are coming out. The impurities that are around us are coming out because God's taking us from glory to glory. Yeah, that's his goal for us in everything that we do. He wants to take us from glory to glory. He doesn't want to take us to glory and then send us oh, back three steps, right? If we go back three steps, that's on us. Because his plan for us is to be transformed from glory to glory to glory. And when we keep that hope secure in a place of security, right? When we do that, then we're able to really step and go from glory to glory to glory because things aren't coming in and crushing our hope. Okay? Sometimes there's stuff that happens that can that it can be very tough that we go through. 
But at the end of that, your hope is not affected because your hope is in the proper place. And that's what's so important to recognize in what we're going on right now and all the time is making sure that that hope is in the proper place. And when it is in us, then we have the ability to broker that, right? As children of God, we have the ability to broker the kingdom of heaven where we go. I love the example Andrew always talks about, and I do it sometimes, walking into Outback, the double doors that are there, just busting through and say, the kingdom of God is here. I do it at home. We have, we have two doors that are pocket doors, and I'll go through them sometimes and be like, the kingdom of God is here, right? It is. That's how we operate. That's how we live. We have that ability to broker the kingdom of God. We have that ability to broker hope to a hopeless people. For people whose hope is attached to other things, we go, listen, yeah, this may work out for now, but it's temporary. Let me tell you about the hope that is eternal, the hope that I can latch onto, the hope that you can latch onto. And at the end of the day, it's not going anywhere. Then you have the ability to do that. You begin to have the ability to shift the atmosphere of hope. There's Sunday mornings in here where the, just the spirit of prophecy is so thick that I'm pretty sure we could release the babies that don't talk out here and they're going to prophesy, you know? And so when we become that people that are so full of hope, we get to shift atmospheres and we get to go out of here full of that hope and full of that faith and encouraged in that. And we get to begin to affect people because now we're shifting atmospheres where we go right? If I take something, there's a big difference in reflecting something and radiating something, okay? We have the ability, sometimes people will say, I just want to reflect Jesus everywhere I go. And I'm like, well, that's great. You're just showing them a big old giant mirror. But if I go out there and I say, I want to radiate Jesus, and this morning we're talking about hope, so I want to radiate hope. I want to radiate Jesus. It's coming from within, right? It's not something where I'm just simply saying, yes, God is there. Here's my mirror. Look, so handsome, that's not what it is. When we step into that realization that he's in us and now it comes from within, it comes out of us, we are radiating Jesus wherever we go. And so in this instance, we are radiating hope. We are radiating hope to a hopeless people. I went, the first mission trip I went on was to, um, where was it? Czech Republic. I know I went a long ways from my first one. And, um, we were there riding around on the, uh, we had a bus, and we were riding around on it, and I would just look at the faces of the people. And these were the people that had lived under the Iron Curtain. They had lived very hopeless lives. There was not an ounce of joy. And my youth pastor, who was, I'm still super close to, his name was Andy, too. That was fun. And um, we only went by our last names at church. His was Lowry, mine was Steinspring. But anyways, um, we were riding around, and he goes, guys, I want you to look at their faces. He said, these people are hopeless, and they need hope. And what's scary is I'm starting to see that around us now. It's scary and encouraging because now we get to release it. We get to release the hope that is within us everywhere we go. We have the ability now to radiate that hope onto other people and be like, hey, listen, I know there's stuff in your life that's gone wrong. I know there's stuff that's gone bad. But your hope is not in the right place if it's not firmly planted in Jesus Christ. And so that's what we get to do. 
just like all of the heavenly commodities, we have that ability to steward hope to a hopeless people, a hopeless generation. And people want to say our country's gone. That's if your hope's in the wrong place. If you're looking at the television, you might say that. But if you're looking at the face of Jesus, you might go, I don't think so. It still looks the same. It hasn't changed in thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands and for eternity. It hasn't changed because he is steadfast and he is the place where our hope lies. Hebrews 6 verse 18 says this, that by two imputable things in which it is impossible for God to lie, we might have strong consolation who have fled for refuge to lay hold of the hope that is set before us. Verse 19, the hope we have as an anchor of the soul, both sure and steadfast, which enters the presence behind the veil. Come on now. There's a song and it talks about our our hope is anchored in the veil, right? I think the song's called Cornerstone or something like that. And I was really thinking about that song a lot this week. It's just on my mind. I was singing it a lot. And I was like, you know what? I know what this is talking about. It's talking about the veil that was split and torn. But what if we also think of it as our hope and our anchor is in the fact that we're wearing the veil. We're the bridegroom of Christ Jesus. And our anchor, our salvation, our hope is based on that fact. Our hope is based on that fact. And so I know this is referring to the veil that was split, the curtain that was split, that allowed us to enter into the holies of holies. And when that happened, he says, yes, you guys are my bridegroom. I am coming back for you. And so I think it's safe to say, I'm not adding to scripture, but I think it's safe to say for us, we can let that hope, we can let that anchor sit in the veil that he has put on us, where he is anxiously awaiting us. And so we have that incredible opportunity to steward this to other people, to steward this ourselves. You know, if we're sh- good stewards of our money, we're doing things, you know, a certain way, right? But with this, the, being a good steward of hope looks like making sure it's in the right spot. And so if you ever feel yourself going through a time where you just feel hopeless, you just feel like things just aren't working out or you just really feel crushed, take a step back and go, I think my hope is not in the right spot. I think I need to put it back where it belongs. I think I just need to go home. I shared that story a couple weeks ago, a month ago. We belong in that heavenly place. We belong in that place of hope that's not shaken, that's not changed, by our external circumstances because it's within. It's within. So what I want to do now is just um, pray over us. So let's all, uh, we can just stay seated. I like to sit sometimes. So let's just take a second and we're just going to (coughs) pray. Oh, Jesus, you are good. You are good. We rest in your goodness, Father. Yeah, God, right now, any areas of our lives that we have seen as hopeless, take a gigantic spotlight out and shine them on them. We want those areas of hopelessness in our lives exposed right now. Those areas of hopelessness exposed right now. Yeah. One specific, specific one that I got was reconciliation. I don't know if it's with a friend or a family member, but 
Yeah, expose the areas in our lives of hopelessness that we've been operating out of. Thank you, Jesus. Yeah, so right now, we take that area of hopelessness and we throw it far, far away because it doesn't belong. We don't agree with it anymore. We don't agree with that hopelessness anymore in that area. And so right now, Jesus, we speak to that and we say, hope come. Hope come. Yeah. Hope come into our finances. Hope come into our families. Hope come into our friendships, our relationships. Yeah, reconciliation, Jesus. Hope in reconciliation, Father. Coming back together. Bringing back together, Jesus. We just release hope over this room right now. Well, may we be a people that are so full of hope that when people drive by, they come in here and feel it and just want something, want, want hope themselves. <laughs> As people drive by, they don't come in here and they get changed. Let us be a people that wherever we go, we are radiating the presence of Jesus. We are radiating hope over a hopeless people. And we're letting people know there's something better to put our hope in. There's something greater. There's something more. So Jesus, we just thank you for that. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to the Acts 2 podcast. Love God, love people, and live life.